As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Andy. Well, because it's 2021... I can't possibly record an episode and then have everything in the episode hold up until the episode publishes. You'll hear me talking this episode about how there have been three bowl cancellations, the Hawaii Bowl, the Military Bowl, and the Fenway Bowl. Well, Sunday night, Miami pulled out of the Sun Bowl. So we'll see if there's a Sun Bowl. And if there's going to be a Sun Bowl, which would involve Washington State playing somebody, it means Some other bowl probably goes away because one team's out and the other team needs somebody to play. So we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm sure that the Cougars are looking for someone to play them. And if somebody else has some COVID issues in one of the other games, then perhaps there's a match to be made there. We shall see. But that's that's just how things are going to go this week. So nothing we can do about it, but it'll be good. There will be football. Maybe not as much football as we'd hope for, but there's still going to be a lot of football and it's still going to be a fun week. Now, on to our Dear Andy episode. A special edition today. It didn't used to be this special. We used to do a lot more of these. This is a Dear Andy show, so it's your questions that we are taking and answering. And we did a lot of these back in the day in the off-season and, and even in-season, but it feels like there has been so much, just one massive news story after another, plus games, that we haven't really gotten a chance to just Take a breath and answer some questions. But I think now is a good time to do that. If you have not listened to the bowl preview that Ari and I recorded that, that dropped last Friday, most of it is still relevant. Not all of it, most of it. Uh, we talk about the Fenway Bowl and that the Fenway Bowl has has been canceled. So that's that's not happening. So if you want to just skip past that part, don't just ignore the part about Tanner Mordecai and, and Brennan Armstrong combining to throw for 1,200 yards and, and the team's combining for 120 points, it's it's not going to happen. But that's just kind of how things are going right now. Uh, the military bowl also was canceled. Uh, Ari and I didn't talk about that one on that show, so you don't have to worry about fast-forwarding past anymore. But I, I'm actually happy that at this point, as I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, that a little bit of that show remains relevant. And in fact, most of that show remains relevant. So uh, we've only lost the, the one so far. But I, I'm guessing that's not the last one. But it's just two at this point, and or, well, three if you count the, the Hawaii Bowl. I'm sorry. So three canceled so far. 
I believe the number was close to 20 last year. So we'll see if uh, if there are any more during the week. But there's a lot of games this week to be excited about. So hopefully they all get played leading up to, of course, the semifinals on Friday night. Uh, this, I believe, will be the last one that is on New Year's Eve. Remember, they initially planned that the semis would be on New Year's Eve when they weren't on January 1st. That was a disaster. They said they had to do it this this year this way because of the calendar. It'll never happen again. Don't worry. And then the Rose Bowl is probably not going to be keeping them from doing things in the future. Definitely not in the next contract, which starts in 2026. Uh, the Rose Bowl has been a little stumbling block in the in the expansion, just demanding to stay on on January 1st. But you know, it, if you want to stay on January 1st, it's that's great. Enjoy Big Ten number five against Pac-12 number two. Just that's what you want, or you can just have a tractor pull. You're just a stadium. I don't care if you have a parade in the morning. They're going to play a football game there, and you can either have one or not because they could always move it to SoFi if you don't want to do it there. So I mean, that's that's really the the long and the short of it. But it, it, there's a little lot of angst in this bowl season about players opting out, uh, teams not wanting to be there, people acting like that's a new concept, like a team not wanting to be in the bowl game it's in. It, it's really sort of hit or miss whether a team wants to be there or whether they're super excited to be there. Sometimes teams have great weeks of practices and, and they just are pumped going into a bowl game that you wouldn't even think they wanted to be in. And then you get these other teams that, you know, they, they kind of limp through the end of the season and lo and behold, they don't look like they want to be there in the bowl game. So that, that brings us to our first question, which came from Boots. While watching the Gasparilla Bowl, it struck me that the Florida Gators didn't want to be there. The entire team was flat and looked unenthusiastic to be there. Their undisciplined play, especially in the second half, looked bad for the program. Well, we see a time in the future when so many players have opted out for the draft or entered in the transfer portal that we could see a team with a winning record decline a bowl invite. This seems bad for the sport and the student-athletes who are still there. Okay, Boots, did you watch Florida against South Carolina? Did you watch Florida against Samford? Did you watch Florida against Missouri? At what point in the end of the season did it look like Florida wanted to be there? So why were you shocked that it didn't look like Florida wanted to be there in the lower tier bowl game played on December 23rd? Like the shocking thing would have been if Florida looked like they cared. Like that team didn't look like it cared most of the season. So why would it look like it cared in the bowl game it didn't want to actually be in? So, hey, that's the thing. Use some context here. Instead of just deciding, I watched a game, one team didn't look like it wanted to be there, this, is, this means the, the sport is going to hell in a handbasket. A lot of the reason Dan Mullen got fired is because the chemistry on this Florida team was horrific. Like, this is a bad team in terms of guys wanting to play together. So, why were you surprised that they acted in the bowl game exactly the way they acted at the end of the season. So I, that's, that shouldn't have shocked you one bit. Like the shocking thing for me would have been had Florida come out looking very well put together and, and pumped to be there. They weren't. They weren't pumped to play the rest of the season after they lost to Georgia. So I, I, don't, I don't see why that changes anything. Will there be a time when so many guys opt out that there's no... No bowl game that somebody declines an invite. Well, look, if you fire your coach 
and a bunch of guys enter the transfer portal, well, that's on you. You fired your coach. You should have thought about that before you fired your coach. And so if that happens, then I'm sure just like Rutgers and Illinois were fighting over that spot in the Gator Bowl, there'd be a five and seven team willing to take it. And for those of you who say, well, you got to earn a bowl game, six and six, come on. Who cares if a six and six team gets replaced by a five and seven team? Who cares? Now, if you want to make sure that the players are invested in being in the bowl game, there is a way to do it. And nobody ever wants to hear it, but it's pretty simple. It's actually, it's actually one of the ways you can solve almost every problem in the world. Now, there are certain problems, certain really big picture things or, or just big things that you can't solve with money. You know, can I find someone who will love me? That's something that you probably can't solve with money. And if you try to solve it with money, it probably will not go well for you. But most things you really can solve with money. And so if you want to put on a multi-million dollar TV show that we call a bowl game, one way to make sure that the cast is super invested in performing in that TV show is give them some money to do it. Maybe, perhaps, a three or $400 Best Buy gift card isn't enough to motivate them. Maybe you should give them a little more of the profits, and then maybe they will be motivated. This really isn't that tough, and it's something that's gonna happen. You know, they're, they're going to have appearance fees for these games, and that will get guys who would have normally opted out to play in these games. You know, you want to you want to get the star in the Cheez-It Bowl? Well, it ain't going to be given in by a bunch of boxes of Cheez-Its. You got to give them some Skrilla. And, and that's fine. Because everybody has NIL deals. So if you want to get the best player on, let's say, let's say Oklahoma State is playing NC State in the Cheez-It Bowl, down the road, a few years down the road. If you would like that person to play, now you can't make it pay for play because that's what all of the, these stupid rules that they made to, to uh, they, I think they call them guardrails, basically trying to keep the inevitable from happening. I hate to break this to you. The inevitable will happen. That's what makes it inevitable. So what they could do is they sign the star player. Like Let's say Oklahoma State's best player, you think he's going to opt out. Well, Cheez-It goes to that guy the day that they signed the deal, and they're like, hey, would you like an NIL deal with Cheez-It worth 150 grand? And that player's going to go, why, yes. Yes, I would. And they go, that probably doesn't work if you're not in a bowl game involving Cheez-It. And the player's going to go, you know what? You're right. I believe I will take $150,000 to play in that game. Voila! You got a player playing in the game. And I think that's probably what you're going to need to do in lower tier bowls. Now, expanding the playoff will get everybody to play in the upper tier bowls. We haven't seen a guy opt out of the playoff yet. I don't think we're going to see a lot of people opt out of the playoff. Again, I still think there's more coaches on the move than players opting out at this point. So it doesn't really matter. But Kenneth Walker III, Kenny Pickett. So that's your, your, your Pitt, Michigan State, Peach Bowl. The two best players aren't playing. If that's a playoff game, they're both playing. So that's going to get solved. The other piece of it, solve it the way you solve every other problem except how to make someone fall in love with you. Money. Solve it with money. 
I know that that you know the greeting card industry wants to tell us that money doesn't buy happiness, money doesn't, but it can buy you a bowl game. In fact, that's one of the things that Ari Wasserman and I are going to talk to our bosses about because if you listen to the end of our bowl preview episode, we realize we we missed out on a golden opportunity. We should have our own bowl game. We really should. The Andy Staple Show Bowl, the Ass Bowl, it would be electric. I'm thinking the number eight American Conference team against the number three Sun Belt team. I think that would be a good matchup right there. And then Ari and I are in the booth. We maybe have a three-person booth. Or I don't know, we, or we have two people on the sidelines. And then we've got the, we've got the crew back in the studio. And, and there's, we've got so many people who are really talented who'd be great at this. So I think Michael Felder, I think I'd have him leading our studio coverage. And we put him with Sam Conn and Jason Kersey. And then I, if we want to do it, do we want to do a three-person booth, me, Ari, and Nicole? And then we have David Ubbett and Max Olson on, on either sideline. Or we could just mix that up somehow. Uh, does somebody get a booger mobile? You know, somebody riding on a crane during the, like a bit, the, like the thing ter- Tony Saragusa used to ride in when he was a sideline guy. Like, do we have that? I think we could do that. And how do we solve all this? Money. We buy us a bowl game. We get the athletic to buy us a bowl game, to title sponsor a bowl game. And it would be the ass bowl presented by the athletic. And we would have this matchup. We would stream it on our platforms. And we would create magnificent content. The podcast that would come out of that bowl game would be tremendous. And so, you know, we, we, we're going to figure that out. We, we, we're working on it. I think by next year, we will have that figured out. So yet another problem we can solve. And we will have great NIL deals for the dudes that are playing it. Like if there's an, in a, let's say there's a draft eligible guy playing. Let's say we get, let's say we get Coastal Carolina in our game. And there's a draft eligible guy who's on the fence. We're going to make sure he plays in that game. We're going to make it worth his while. So, you don't have to worry about anybody not acting like they want to be in the ass bowl because everybody's going to want to be in the ass bowl. Now, Gasparilla Bowl, speak for yourself. Figure it out. You, you, you figure it out. They're, they were sponsored by a mortgage company. I don't really know what a mortgage company, other than they can just make a deal for you to advertise for the mortgage company, but there's really no in-kind benefit. I mean, they could give them a, a, a points off a mortgage, I suppose, but that's it doesn't sound sexy. That's actually that's not a terrible deal if you really think about it. But there is a way to make all these bowl games interesting, relevant. And here's the thing. You got a bowl game involving a 6-6 six and six team, you kind of get what you get. Like, if you want a more interesting bowl game, spend more money in terms of a guarantee so you can get better teams. And then maybe you go get a team that fired its coach that limped to six and six, that doesn't look like it wants to be there, that had terrible chemistry anyway, maybe you don't get that team. So again, another problem that could have been solved with money, but the bowl was too cheap. So too bad. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This question comes from Jordan. If USC and Miami are back, playoff contenders, but not necessarily national title contenders, can college football having, handle having a good USC, Miami, Texas A&M, Alabama, Oklahoma, etc.? Or does someone have to be sacrificed like Clemson? It seems as though every time one new team comes into some form of dominance, a blue blood struggles. I just think it's cyclical, period. But I do think you're right. At the top, it does. there is a little bit of zero sum to it. Now, if the teams are in different leagues, they can all be at the top of their leagues at the same time and be really good at the same time. Like USC being great doesn't necessarily affect whether Bama can be great, whether A&M can be great. Now, if they're, if they're going head-to-head for players and USC's winning every head-to-head, that obviously does affect them. But... Like, none of that's going to affect Ohio State, I wouldn't think. Now, it would affect other teams in the Pac-12, and it would affect the teams that they compete directly with for recruits. So I don't necessarily think it would affect those SEC superpowers. Like, I I do think the Clemson thing's interesting because it draws from the same pool as the SEC teams. Now, I would argue that Clemson's rise, if it affected one major power, it was probably Florida State. Because remember, as Clemson was climbing, Florida State was the dominant team in the ACC, was the dominant team in the ACC Atlantic, and they were the ones that fell off, not necessarily directly as a, as a result of Clemson getting better, but it didn't help. You know, Jimbo Fisher, in addition to arguing with the Booster Club and, and all the different things he had going on at Florida State didn't like the fact that there's a superpower being built within his own, within his own division. That, that made it harder for him to do what he wanted to do. Now, he went to a division where there potentially could be three superpowers at once. So I don't know that, that he really solved that problem. But it is interesting to think about because there are only so many blue chip players. They can only go to so many places. Now, if they spread out more, I think we get a kind of tangential benefit if you're not a fan of one of those teams. This this is interesting that Jordan asked it this way because I hadn't thought about it this way before. But let's say USC gets pretty good. They get some players. They get good. They're starting to draw some of the best players on the West Coast. Oregon's still getting some of the best players on the West Coast. Some of them are still going to Ohio State or Alabama. Alabama's still getting its share of players, but not as many because Texas A&M's getting some of them now and Georgia's getting some of them now. And Florida's picking off a couple. And LSU's going to get some here. And so they aren't all absolutely loaded. And that's the thing. 
if if you get a few of them good at the same time, a few more of them, let's, and you've mentioned USC and Miami. So Miami, for example, is coming in. And some of those players that you know Alabama would like to go down and get a receiver out of Florida, whether it was was Calvin Ridley, uh, whether it was Mari Cooper, you know they had a re- they've had a really good run of of going and grab Jerry Judy, going and grabbing a receiver out of Florida. What if that guy went to Miami, and suddenly he doesn't go to Alabama? Okay, that helps Miami. That that makes Miami a little bit better. And so I don't know that it necessarily picks anybody off. But it takes the superpowers down a notch. And so maybe that's what Jordan's asking with Clemson because Clemson became, they weren't ordinary this year, but they weren't great. They ended the season above average. And I I do think they can be back to national title contender level just with a couple of little tweaks. I, I don't think there's, Ari thinks there's a lot more work to do at Clemson than I think. So I don't think they've completely fallen off. I don't think Georgia recruiting the way they have has suddenly sucked all the life out of Clemson. I I don't think that's the case. So what could happen is you see more variability at the top, in which case more teams might actually have a chance to win the national title. Because, you know, one thing that, that we've been saying as they've been discussing this expanded playoff is it will help teams feel more relevant as the season goes on. It'll, it'll, it'll keep fan bases engaged because their team might have a chance to make the playoff and more teams, you know, you'll be sitting there with a month to go in the season. There might be 30 teams with a, with a realistic shot of making the playoff. And I think that's what they're, they're going for there, but there wouldn't be 30 teams with a shot at winning the national title. There would still only be maybe two, three, four teams with a shot at winning the national title. But what if, as Jordan's saying, some of these other schools get good. I don't think it automatically means like USC and, and Miami get good. Does it mean that Ohio State and, and Alabama suddenly get kicked down to a different level or Oklahoma gets kicked down to a different level? It might just reduce their power just a little bit and make them more susceptible to losing in the playoff. And so if this could work out, I, and, and this would be kind of the dream scenario, I don't know if this is the way it would work in practice, but I kind of hope it would because I think this would be this would be really good for the game as sort of a national, you know, a national proposition because that's that's the one thing I worry about is it becoming too regional where only teams from this region of the country or, or these two regions of the country can actually compete for the national title. I think that's that's bad for the sport in general, and and. It, kills interest and that sort of thing. So if it increased the variability at the top and made it where instead of there's three teams that could win the national title, that maybe there's six or seven teams that could win the national title every year, I think that would make things a lot more interesting. And what that would do, what it would take is, okay, Mario Cristobal goes to Miami, gets a few guys that would have gone to Alabama, gets a few guys that would have gone to Georgia. Lincoln Riley's at USC. He picks off a few guys that would have gone to Ohio State or that would have gone to Oklahoma. You know, let's say Texas gets good or LSU comes back. If LSU comes back, they're taking guys that would have gone to Alabama. They're taking guys maybe that would have gone to Georgia. Let's say Billy Napier at Florida starts recruiting really well. He, he takes a guy that would have gone to Georgia or a guy that would have gone to LSU. That's how it gets evened out a little more. And we'll see how it, how it works out because I don't think anybody actually knows 
You know, the NIL's been around for, for less than a year now. The transfer rules as they stand have been around for less than a year now. So it's not that easy to, to guess how it's going to work. We just don't know because there's a lot of variables here. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I, I, if Jordan's, I don't think, Jordan, that you'd have to automatically sacrifice a team that competes for national titles now. I think what would happen is you'd have more teams capable of competing for national titles, and that would be more fun for everybody, including fans of the teams that maybe aren't national title contenders because, like I said, you draw a player here and a player there away from the teams that can compete for the national title, and all of a sudden, those teams get susceptible to losing a quarterfinal game or losing a semifinal game that maybe they wouldn't, and that makes things more exciting too. All right, let's move on to this question from Mike. Oklahoma and Texas have endured a lot of ribbing from their future SEC brethren, with the main focus being that the two lack dominating defenses. It's not that the top defensive players don't know how to sign with OU and Texas, but rather they prefer to stay away from the Big 12 Conference. Once the two schools make the jump, whenever that is, then it becomes game on, and you'll see those four- and five-star defensive players signing with OU and Texas now that they're part of the SEC. And Mike says, your take? And... Mike is Mike and I are of the same mind. We we are sharing a brain on this one. And in fact, I in in the Dear Andy column last week, I answered a question from a reader named Jesse, asked something somewhat similar, but basically said, you know, Jesse's premise was that he, he, Jesse didn't think Oklahoma had a a natural recruiting ground, which it's just a fundamental lack of understanding of how Oklahoma recruits and, and just how close Norman is to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, it basically would be like saying Clemson doesn't have a natural, uh, a natural recruiting ground. They do. They're less than two hours from Atlanta. So Oklahoma will have no problem in terms of, ge- of geography. Like they, they are geographically fine in terms of getting recruits. But the issue at Oklahoma has been line of scrimmage play. You know, they, they couldn't block Quinn and Williams in that Orange Bowl when they played Alabama. Uh, defensively, they just have not been able to build the kind of defensive lines that Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson have, Georgia has over the last few years. And the fact of the matter is, those types of players, those like those D-linemen, don't want to go play in the Big 12. They, they just don't. And when coaches are recruiting, they use numbers that show who gets drafted from where to kind of make their point. And remember, I don't care what NIL stuff is going on. Can you prepare me for the NFL? Can you make me a first round draft pick or a high round draft pick is still going to be the number one criterion for a recruit. And so listen to these numbers. So these are the, the, the past five drafts, the number of defensive linemen from each power five league, taken in the NFL draft, the last five drafts. So the SEC leads with 47. That should come to the surprise of no one. The ACC, number two at 42, very good number. The Big 10, 38. The Pac-12, 24. The Big 12, 17. Now, you do have to adjust a little bit because obviously the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 10 all have 14 schools. The Pac-12 has 12 and the Big 10, I mean, the Big 12 has 10. But even, even if you adjust for the number of schools, the SEC still towers over the Big 12 in terms of defensive linemen produced who get drafted. So if I'm a defensive lineman 
and I'm looking at Oklahoma, this is right now. Let's, well, we won't even say right now because Oklahoma is going to the SEC, so of course they're selling that now. Let's say if I'm a defensive lineman three years ago and I have no inkling that, that Oklahoma is ever going to be in the SEC. If I'm trying to choose between Oklahoma and LSU or Oklahoma and Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, or back then Ed Orgeron, comes to me and, and shows me this chart, essentially, which looked about the same a few years ago. There's no way in hell I'm signing with a Big 12 school. Even though Oklahoma had been very successful, I'm going to look at it and go, well, you can't develop my position. And nobody who plays my position in your league gets drafted because for whatever reason, the NFL hates the, posi- the, the guys at my position in your league. And the, and the reason for that, and it, it's interesting because I think the Big 12 may, might kind of play its way out of this. The reason for that is the Big 12 obviously embraced the air raid and, and its various offshoots the, and the, the Baylor offense that Art Bryles ran and made it very hard to play D-line because there were a lot of quarterbacks who were just catching and throwing. There were, there were very few stats to rack up as a D-lineman um, because either you weren't going to be able to, to get a sack because the quarterback would catch the ball and throw it and you couldn't get there in time, or they're just running tempo, but when they run the ball and they're spreading you out so far that you can't really clog the line of scrimmage because you're too, too spread out. So it made it schematically hard to become a good NFL defensive lineman in the big 12. Now that's changing. All the offenses are changing. The defenses are changing. And it may be that the big 12 in two, three years is a great place to develop a defensive lineman just because of the way everything is shifting and new offenses that are coming into the league. But the reality right now is, if you're a D lineman, why would you sign with a Big 12 school when you could sign with an SEC, an ACC, or a Big 10 school? Like, there's not even a question. It, 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 you shouldn't even have to think about it. So I, I'm agreeing with Doug here, oh, excuse me, with, with, uh, with Mike here, who said... Those guys are going to sign with Oklahoma and Texas when, when those schools are in the SEC. I, I agree with that. I think it's you're going to have a harder time selling them out of, out of that because obviously Oklahoma and Texas have a lot to sell, but that would be a deal breaker for me if I was a blue-chip defensive lineman. But if Oklahoma and Texas are like, hey, we're, we're in the SEC just like them, well, that's all of a sudden very different. And so I think they are going to get some of those players. And that's also why I think – you know, the, the question of whether Oklahoma will, will stay as good as it's been. Now, will it win the league every year like it does in Big 12? No. Will Oklahoma remain one of the better programs in the country? Yeah, I think so. Because it'll get better as it develops an SEC roster. I think you've, you've seen that with Texas A&M as they've developed an SEC roster. They, they still haven't gotten over the hump, but they, they're producing NFL players you know, they're competitive. They beat Alabama this year and they, they won a New Year's Six Bowl last year. So they should be able at Oklahoma and at Texas to get some of those players who maybe would have been shying away before. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, this one comes from Charles. This is really, really interesting. Dear Andy, I think you've read about cord cutting and the future of media distribution in the past, so I'll pose this to you. Who, quote unquote, won the YouTube TV Disney dispute? Both companies thanked each other for working toward a fair deal. I want to know whose bluff got called. I'm guessing just because of the timing of it, Charles, uh, educated guess here, it was YouTube TV that, that blinked. It was Google that blinked because... This is one of those deals where it's not, because like, the cable companies are big. Like Comcast is a massive company. You know, back in the day, Time Warner Cable, that was a massive company. Those were big, multi, you know, multi-billion dollar companies that had a lot of stroke and, and could drag these things out, at least for a little bit. Google dwarfs those companies. It's freaking Google. And it folded in less than a day. And I think it told us something, and it may have told a few different people things about where this is going and what our consumption is going to look like in the future. Because I, I think about the way I watch television. So I have a cable slash streaming service, a streaming service that gives me live TV, essentially. I have that to watch sports. I have that for no other reason. There are no shows that come on any of those channels that I watch. I don't watch them live. I don't DVR them. I don't care about them. Because the ones I do like, I can get on a streaming service. I can get them on Paramount Plus, or I can get them on Peacock, or I can get them on Hulu. So I don't need that for anything but live sports. And I think what happened when the Disney channels went dark, and I don't think it was because of the Disney Channel or Nat Geo or any of those. I think it was the ESPN family of networks here. That group realized, and it's not just Google that makes YouTube TV. I'm, I'm guessing DirecTV realized it. I'm guessing Dish realized it. Uh, Hulu, which also produces a live TV product, they realize it. That you can't mess with live sports. It is the only thing a significant portion of the population subscribes to a pay TV service for. And so I don't think I'm alone. And, and I'm not that young. I'm 43 years old. So I think we can, we, we can kind of put some people in baskets here. Like the people who watch live TV, who, who sit down and just flip through the channels like we used to in the old days, I think that's probably, a pretty, probably an older group of people. The people who watch, you know, the, the CBS procedurals and that sort of thing, uh, who set either set their DVR for it or they watch it as it airs, I think that's an older group of people. They're aging out. My group is aging into the group that's actually old, and we're not doing any of that. You know, we're, we're watching, if we're watching, if I'm watching a show, I'm watching it on my own terms. I'm watching it on a streaming service, on demand. I don't, 
I, I'm not building my schedule around any TV show that isn't a sports event. And I think that's what Google realized very quickly is that a significant portion of its subscriber base, because remember, that older group I'm talking about is usually pretty tech averse. They're probably not the cord cutters. They probably still have traditional cable or a direct TV dish or a dish network dish. And like they they don't, they're not the issue here. Like they're not even in your customer universe and never will be probably. The people who are, I would imagine, and I don't, I don't know this because they're not going to reveal these numbers, but I would imagine most of them subscribe only to get live sports. So the fact that Google blinked in less than 24 hours tells you that the response was really overwhelming. And so that should send a message, not just to the cable companies and the, the companies that do the pay TV services, but also to the leagues. Your product's even more valuable than you realize because nobody's watching live TV for anything else. So, you know, if you, if you have a broadcast network, so if you're Disney and you own ABC, if you're Universal and you own NBC, if you're Paramount and you own CBS, your broadcast network makes all its money off commercials. What's the only thing you can charge a lot of money for commercials on now? Live sports. So all of a sudden, everything's valuable. What's the only thing that's going to keep people subscribing to your pay TV service? Live sports. And remember, as the technology gets better, you have the threat of Disney at some point saying, hey, we're going to break this off and sell it directly to the consumer. And then you are sunk. They don't want that. If you're, if you're Google, you don't want, you want to make money off YouTube TV. So they would like to maintain that relationship as long as they can. So if you're, but if you're the leagues, if you're the NFL, if you're the NBA, if you're the, the college conferences, you realize that you have even more leverage than you thought before. And, and one of the discussions in this college football playoff expansion has been, are they going to sell separate packages that different networks can buy? And the answer is Yes. You know, we had George Klyavkov tell us that last week. That, like, they have come to agreement on that. Like, that is not a point of contention anymore. When the new deal comes around, for sure, there will be multiple packages. He said they could sell them to the same network, but that would cost that network a fortune. It would be a massive premium for one network to own them all. Now, if you're Disney, perhaps you're willing to pay that because you saw how much power the thought of missing the playoff or missing bowl games had for ESPN in this recent tussle with Google. But if you're Fox, you want a piece of that too because you want that leverage. If you're CBS, you want a piece of that because you want that leverage. If you're NBC, same thing. So, and, and I haven't even mentioned any of the streaming services because I still don't know how, how much into live sports they're gonna be. We've seen Amazon stick its toe in the water but like Netflix, we still haven't seen them go there yet. They seem to want an evergreen library and, and live sports don't fit into that, that model. But the streaming services that do include some of this, you know, your Paramount Plus, your Peacock, I think that's valuable too. So, so there's value in all of that. And so if I'm the leagues, I'm looking at this and going, we're going to make you pay through the nose for the next iteration of the college football playoff. We are going to pay, we're going to get a fortune out of you because you don't have a choice. And the NFL, good Lord, the NFL can just write its own ticket. 
they can get whatever they want. Because remember, Sunday Night Football is the number one show in America in prime time in the fall every week, every fall. Number one, guaranteed. Monday Night Football is number is number two. So that, those are guaranteed numbers. And, and are the audiences as big as they used to be? No, the audience is fractured. But they're still the only way to guarantee a big audience. And so I, I thought that was a very interesting situation and it, it just a great question from Charles because I think it was really educational. I think the companies that, that put out pay TV, whether they have, you know, they're a cable company, a satellite company, a streaming company, Sports is all that matters. Like for me, you could get rid of all the other channels. You give me the broadcast networks, the ESPN family, and TNT, and Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2. That's it. That's all I need. Maybe CBS Sports Network, NBC Sports Network, like those, but all of the sports channels essentially. I'd probably pay... I don't know. I'd probably pay 40 bucks a month for that because right now I'm paying more than that. Right now I'm paying, I'm trying to remember what the bill is. I think I want to say it's 75 bucks a month for that because I don't care about the other stuff. So you could charge me 50 and I'd still buy it. You just wouldn't have to be sliding money to, to Universal for the USA Network or any of that. So I just, I just think it's... It, it's going to fracture more along those lines. The people who want live TV, there's going to be a group of them that only want it for sports, and it's going to be a really, really big group. And the older folks, I think they're still going to want live TV, but I think they're probably going to want it with a cord or with a dish. They don't want to, they don't want to think about buffering. Buffering is going to blow their minds. And then the non-sports fans... They don't want live TV at all. They don't care. Why, why would I want to be tethered to when a show comes on or, or have to get it on, put it on my DVR when I can just pull it off whatever streaming service I want and I can download it whenever I want, watch it whenever I want. I, it, this, is, this is not that complicated. And I think if you didn't know before, you definitely knew after that email came out that said, hey, ESPN's back on YouTube TV. Yeah, it, it's... You kind of figured it was going to go that way. I didn't think it would go that fast because, again, we're talking about Google here. We're not talking about a normal big company. We're talking about a massive company. They're one of the most important companies in the world, one of the wealthiest companies in the world. And it didn't even make it 24 hours. So that's it. Live sports is king, which if you're the, the commissioners putting together the next version of college football playoff, don't forget that because it means you're going to be able to charge a ton of money. Just, you know, you want to solve some of those problems down the road, you might throw a little more rat to the players. Because again, money doesn't solve all your problems, but it can solve a lot of them. I'll talk to you on Wednesday.